Today we're on week three of our living by faith or the essentials of what it means to live by faith. And you know, over these last few weeks, Jane and I have been doing a tag team preach and we're going to do that again this morning. I'm going to share some of the biblical principles and then Jane's going to bring the application of how that outworks in our lives as a couple in some of the stories uh, and the events of our life. Um, and, and they are just a fragment of the events of our life. There have been so many areas where we've needed, well, we, we live by faith and, and that's a daily occurrence in our life. In Hebrews 11 verse 6 we see this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. But without faith it's impossible to please him. We need to make sure that we have that understanding in our life without faith it is impossible to be able to please him. And, and, and so often we think of that one scripture or that one part of the verse. But the second part of the verse is absolutely key to us walking by faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. He is almighty God. We can't have just a religious experience of who God is. It has to be a living faith. A living daily walk with who God is so that we believe that he is. He is the healer of our life. He is the ruler of our life. He is the wisdom to our life. He is the peace to our life. He is everything in the journey of our life. That when we come to God, we must believe that he is. And this is the part that many people miss out on. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I love that. You know, in this walk of faith, I'm believing that you are God. I'm believing that you're the God of the universe, the God of my life. I'm believing it. But do you know what? Me believing that, me walking hard after his heels, he's saying that you've got to believe I'm going to be a rewarder in your life. I'm going to reward, reward your life for following me. And I believe too many of us are missing out on the rewards because we don't diligently seek him. See, the rewards are for those who diligently or with a purposeful heart seek after God. That's according to the word here. He is a rewarder of those who are diligently seeking Him. So, so far, we've looked at a couple of areas, two main ingredients of what faith feels like, looks like, sounds like in our life. We've looked at faith through the word. If we want to grow in our understanding of what faith is, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. We've got to get the Word of God, not just between our ears, but it's got to rest in the ground of our heart. We've got to get it ingested in our hearts. And then speaking faith-filled words out of our mouth. The Word is near you in your heart, and in your mouth, that is the word of faith that we preach. It's got to be in your heart, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you say, oh, I've got faith, but you act in fear, then fear has the ascendancy over faith. It's, it's ruling. Fear rules you, not faith. And we've got to allow the word of God to get deep into our hearts so that we have it in our heart and we speak it out of our mouth. And today we're going to look at the third area that activates faith and enables faith to move in our hearts and in our life around us. And this is done by 
acting on the word. We've got to be a people who act upon the word. And I'm going to read this scripture. James is going to bring some more thoughts to this in a while. James 2 verse 18 says this. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. And that works, the word there is corresponding action. Not, I've got to work at my salvation. I've got to tell 10 people today that Jesus is Lord. I've got to read my Bible three hours today. And I've got to, I've got to, uh, I've got to go to the prayer meeting. I've got to go to this meeting. And I, 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 that's works towards salvation. That's not grace. Jesus said you're saved by grace. Nothing of yourselves. But here James is saying, show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works or by my corresponding actions. When the Bible says, lay hands on the sick, James turns around and says, I'll show you what that looks like. And he lays hands on the sick. When he says, I'll show you my faith by my works, when the offering bucket comes around, I will put something in it. That, that, that is faith in action. And this is what we need in our life to activate the faith that we have in our heart and the words that we're speaking out of our mouth. Faith has to have a corresponding action. Without a corresponding action, there is no living faith. In fact, the Bible calls it dead faith. You, you, you have faith but you're not responding to it. So what is dead faith? Faith without works or corresponding action is dead. It's worthless. It's useless. It's not being acted on. You may have the faith to move mountains, but you never speak to it. What's the point? You may have the, you may have the faith to take down a giant, but you never pick up the stone or the word of God and throw it. We, we, can, we can have all the faith, but it's dead faith. It's no action to it. There's nothing that's moving that faith forward. And the Bible says there's got to be faith with action, with a corresponding action connected to it. So the word of faith needs to be in our heart. It needs to be on our lips, and it needs to be acted on as we trust God in the journey. You cannot trust the Lord without trusting his word. Because you can't separate him and his word. He and his word are one. So you can't say, well, I'm trusting the Lord, but I'm not going to believe what it says. You know, simple one is there, in, in, if you like, in the, in the area of Malachi, and it talks about bring all your tithes into the storehouse, the house of God where you fellowship and meet. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse, and yet you decide not to do so. That's not trusting him and trusting his word. If his word says it, then we've got to have the corresponding action that agrees with it. Or else, our faith or our... See, I, the, we, I remember a situation where we were we had a whole group of people who had financial needs and we prayed for people. And, and as I stood there looking at the queue of people that needed answers to their financial need, the thing that came to my heart, and I believe it's true, we all need to be good stewards of our finance. But do you know what? If we're not doing what the Word says and honouring Him with the first fruit of our increase and bringing our tithes into the storehouse, I can't pray that you'll have a miracle of provision 
when we're walking in disobedience to the word. It doesn't make sense. If we're good stewards, I can pray and the Lord will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. We've just got to get scriptural balance in the right place. We need to do what's right according to the word. We can't violate scripture and say, I'm going to pray all your needs are met according to his riches. And yet you're walking in disobedience. It doesn't work. We've got to walk in obedience so that when we pray, there is no obstacle in the way. So we need to trust the Lord and trust his word. Abraham, let me just give you a couple of testimonies here. Abraham believed God. There was this journey moment. God appeared to him and he spoke to him. And he, and he said, look, I'm going to show you things to go. Abraham believed God. What did he do? Put it in his heart. And he left his homeland. He, he went to a place that he knew not. <laughs> he just, he said, parents, <coughs> homeland, lovely, but God's called me. I don't know where, and I don't know where I'm going, but God's called me. He left everything that was familiar. What was the corresponding action? He believed God and put it in his heart. He turned and left. He could have said, well, I'm going to stay where I am for a little while and just see how it works out. But it wasn't until he began that journey that faith began to move with him. If he had stayed with his parents, if he had stayed in the place of safety, nothing would have unworked or unraveled in the journey. The journey starts with that first step. And as he took that step, faith was released over his life for the next thing and the next thing in Abram's life. The woman with the issue of blood. She knew that if she touched the hem of the garment, she believed in her heart. Remember, she was speaking out of her mouth. If I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. What was her corresponding action? She got up in the midst of her own home. She looked out the door and she saw this multitude of people. And every one of them could have stoned her. But her corresponding action to the word of God was I'm going to press through the crowd. It wasn't a case of, oh, there's a nice little gap, I'll make it way through there. She had to move people out of the way. She went through the press, touching all these people who had become unclean. She went in the press, and God healed her. That was her faith movement. Her corresponding action. She could have stayed in the house and said, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And she could have still been there today saying, I believe. But it wasn't until she got out of her place and began to move and journey towards the answer that the corresponding action went into action. And Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? He knew who touched her. He knew that she had touched. She came behind him and touched the hem of the gun. He knew at that moment, the disciples turned around and said, Jesus, look at all the multitudes around you, and you say, who touched me? He knew exactly. But that moment that she stood up and said, it was me, healed in that moment. Healing power went through her body, and at that moment, her faith sealed the journey. I love these, because they're just all the way through the Bible. You, you look at faith, confession, Corresponding action. The blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus was crying out, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. He was 
declaring, I wonder how often blind Bartimaeus had heard the stories. He, I was going to say he'd seen, seen miracles, he didn't because he was blind Bartimaeus. He had heard of the miracles, he had heard of the crowds, he had heard of people walking by, he had heard the name of Jesus over and over and over again. And he's sitting there and he hears someone declaring, Jesus is coming. And he begins to shout, the Bible says, and, and, and he began to shout so loud that those that were around him said, quiet down, you're disturbing him. And he, he, he by faith, started to declare even louder, son of David, have mercy on me. He began to shout it. Why? Because he had faith to be healed. And in that moment, Jesus came to him. And he said, you know, you know show me where this guy is, you shout. He comes to him. And he says, what can I do for you? And he takes a hold of him. Before he does that, Brian Bartimaeus, Jesus said, what can I do for you? And, 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 and the guys around him said, bring him to Jesus. And he comes to Jesus. He throws off his beggar's cloak. Do you know that was his act of faith? Because the beggar's cloak represented what he did. It was a beggar's cloak. Beggars were given a cloak to identify that they were beggars. And the moment that he cast it off, he was saying, I no longer need this. I'm not going back to this. And the, the people that were around him brought him to Jesus. He, if he remained, remained blind, he would not have been able to go and find his beggar's cloak. He cast it Aside his action of faith, he removed that which kept him identified as a beggar, and he said, "I'm no longer going to have that in my life." In the midst of the night, in the middle of a storm, Peter gets out of a boat. Why does Peter get out of a boat in the midst of a storm in the middle of the night? Because he's acting on the word that Jesus said, "Come." Just one word. Jesus, he, he, Peter says to Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come on the water. Jesus said one word, come. Do you know what? One word from God can change your life forever. Just one word. That moment he got up, he climbed over the edge of the boat, the rest of the guys are just watching, thinking, here he goes again. But the Bible says he got out of the boat and he began to walk on the water to Jesus. But when he saw circumstances, this is where in our journey of faith we need to be so focused on who God is, on what his word teaches. When he saw the wind and the wave, he then began to sink. If he had kept his eyes on Jesus in the middle of the storm, if he had kept his eye on Jesus in the middle of that moment, he would have walked all the way to him. Circumstances can rob you of your miracle. Let's not allow that to happen in our life. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. As we journey in our walk, you know, it's the corridor. We begin, sometimes the hardest part is the beginning. Sometimes the hardest part is the middle. Sometimes it's the last moment before the miracle happens. But each one of us will experience different things at different times. Don't give up halfway through. He said, I am the author, the beginning, the alpha, the beginning of your faith. But I am also the Z, the end, the finisher of your faith. 
And as we journey through the corridor of faith, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. As I was preparing this message this week, I came across this thought, and I thought it was lovely, so I'm going to share this with you. The Christian life is built on faith that is rehearsed daily in the secret place through prayer and the reading of his word. You know, it's those, it's those quiet moments where we're walking with the Lord in our own journey, in our own heart, in our own quiet times, where we're reading and we're studying or looking at the Word and reading it and putting it in our life. We are rehearsing our moments for when the giant steps out. Those moments where our faith is being built on the inside, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. We need those moments in our life where it's just you and him. We're not, we're not saying the right thing for the audience. We're saying the right things for us. We're not, we're not striding away in life, being the big faith man. No, no, we're just humbly walking before our God, believing what he said will come to pass in our life. We build trust in God by building a relationship with him. That is so key in our journey. Jane, you're going to come. Oh, I got the right mic. Right mic. I'd be praying in tongues and I didn't freak the nurses and everybody else 
out by doing that when they came in, you know, it was when we were on our own, we just, we just prayed in tongues and we just thought, okay, God, you're just going to get me through this. And I think it got to, must be about six o'clock, I think it was about four or seven, wasn't it? about six o'clock. And I got to a point I couldn't take anymore. I was really, really tired and really drained. And I said to you, didn't I? I said, I can't do, I can't, I can't take this anymore. God's got to move quick. And so we prayed. We said, okay, God, you've got to do something for me. Well, the doctors, had, well, the nurses had checked me out. They said, you're nowhere near ready. You've got ages yet. So then we got to pray. <laughs> we said, okay, God, I need you to do something. And, um, and I think it was literally a matter of, I don't know, minutes, I think it was. It's hard to remember. It's about nearly 30 years ago. <laughs> but we got to that point, and I, I knew things were coming quick. You know, if you ladies have had children, you know when it's coming quick and it's at the point of no, you know, return. And the doctors came back in, they, they, the nurses came back in, and um, they, they said, wow, <laughs> yes, you're ready. So we just, they took me up to, they took us up to the labour ward. This is that. This is that. They took me up to the labour ward first. Yeah, yeah labour ward first. <laughs> labour ward first. So, all monitored up, seriously monitored up. Um, in fact, if anything, they would monitor me up in preparation to have another cesarean, which we said, no problem at all, this is what we believe in God for. So we monitored up, so we went into the labour ward, that's where they were, you know, everything was meant to happen. And we're still holding on to God. We're still getting those, those scriptures coming to our hearts. Not necessarily speaking them out loud, but, you know, we were just holding on to them with everything we had. We'd put them in our hearts. We'd spoken out the whole nine, journey, nine months of the journey. Now it was time for action. And this is where we, we got to the point, and on the monitor screen, they were saying, it's enough. You've now got to go down and have a cesarean. And I, Zach's heart rate had dropped massively. It's gone from 150, 130, somewhere around that to, to 50. And they said, we've got to get him out now. So at that point, when that happened, I went totally numb. Which actually I think is a really good thing, because I could have started crying. No, it's not happening. It's, you know, this and the other. But I didn't. I actually went numb totally numb. I had to sign the form, whatever given consent to do it, and I thought, okay, because <laughs> I was going to follow what the doctors, I wasn't going to go against what the doctors saw in the natural. God had a different plan. So I was wheeled up, feeling totally numb, not being able to feel anything, and not saying anything. And that is so, so vital, because if I'd said God, why isn't this happening? God, why isn't this happening? Why are, why are you not coming through for me? I think I'd have rubbed out everything that we believe God for. So I believe actually at that point, I, God made me numb <laughs> to not feel anything. I think you need to share this bit because this is your, your bit really. Yeah, so this, this is now the, the, the third time I've seen Jane go off into theatre. Um, the first two really didn't know how to stand on the word, didn't know anything too much about the word this time. I, I was I was just so faith-filled and so ready to take on the giant here. Um, so I saw Jane go off through the, the, the theatre doors and I went down back into the labour room. And I'm in the labour room and I'm declaring the promises of God, I'm, I'm speaking in tongues. 
And, and there's a scripture in John 14, John 15. It says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And that word ask is to place a demand upon. And it's the first time ever at that moment that I, I realized quite what that scripture meant. And I'm just going to demonstrate how I saw it in my heart. And I'm praying to God, and it was like I grabbed God by the collar and said, you will deliver my child. I respectfully. Respectfully. <laughs> but I was taking a hold of the word. It, there was nothing that, that was beyond his word. He, he promised in his word. And I took God by the scruff of the neck and said, God, you promised. You said in your word. And, and I'm, I'm praying, I'm just declaring, and in, in some senses I felt such a peace come over me, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to keep declaring, declaring, and within 15, 10, 15 minutes, a nurse had come into to the labour room and said, oh, Mr. Wood, um, your wife's had the, had the baby. I said, oh, fantastic. And, 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 and it's like, wow, that was quick work. So I'm off in the, I'm in, in the elevator going up to the theatre room, and... Um, did, I can't remember, did they tell me what it was going up? No. So I, I, I'm going up to the theatre room. I go into the theatre room because it was another emergency moment. It wasn't even cleaned in the theatre room. Um, and I walked in and I saw Jeff. So, at this point, Jeff knew something had happened. Jeff knew that God had broken through somehow. Because, I mean, I don't know what it's like now, but you're talking about 30 years ago. Um, well, when I had Luke and Jenny, we were, I was in the operating theatre for about 40 minutes. So he knew something had happened that was very different, the fact that he was called up to come and see within 15 minutes. And I remember laying on that, whatever it was, felt like a slab. <laughs> um, yeah. And they, they did all the straps, they did everything they had to do. And remember they said to me, do not push, do not push under any circumstances. And I thought, okay, I'm just laid there. <laughs> and just totally numb, totally numb. And then I'm not kidding. And this is no exaggeration. It was like the whole theatre room changed. The atmosphere in that room completely changed. And they said, push. <laughs> and I said, why? <laughs> they said, because his head's born. And he was born on the operating table. But the atmosphere in that room absolutely changed. God was in that room. God came through for us. And he never let us down. And it was beautiful because we actually, I mean, even the nurses, you, when you came up, I feel shaky now, a moment of it all. When Jeff came up and he came in, and we explained what had happened and our journey, they were absolutely amazing. They said, it just... And they actually said, we just feel so joyful. This is just lovely. And we and we they said, oh, what have you called him? We said, we called him Zachary Paulwood, because it means God remembers Peter Wood. And, you know, God was faithful to that journey. We didn't deny what the doctor said. We didn't say, you're not, you're telling us a whole bunch of lies. This isn't actually what my body is. We didn't deny that, but what we did is we took God's word, which is a higher authority, and God's word is, is true. What the doctors told me was fact. Yes. What the nurse, uh, what God told me was the truth, and we relied on the truth, 
And, you know, with, with our other two children, with Jenny especially, we, we really, we wanted to do the same thing, but we had no understanding. And, you know, when I went in to have Jenny, we had plans to Sarah in, but I was so disappointed. But, you know, we prayed about it, but we never knew how to stand on the Word of God. And so I went, when I went in with Jenny, it was more, we thought, okay, well, maybe I'll have second best, and I'll be awake and have a free, you know, do whatever they do, and I'll be awake. I couldn't even have that. I had to go right under because of circumstances. But God was faithful, and he took us on a journey from knowing nothing to trying and then going into victory. But it all came through his word. Honestly, when you put the word of God in your heart, there is something... You cannot explain. You can't even work it out. You can't even say what it does. Just like when food goes into your body, it does to your body what it's meant to do. Just the same as God's word. When you put it into your spirit, when you feed on it, it's the word of God that is alive and powerful that will actually do what it's needing to do in you. That you can just suddenly know. I know that I know. I absolutely know. God is going to come through for us. So that was that. That was our, you know, I suppose in that sense, back then it was just a real big thing for us. And, our, and it started us on a journey that was just so exciting because we thought, well, we, we know that whenever we ask God something, we're asking according to his word. We know that we can have whatever we ask. And, um, you know, when we're, we're believing for other people, when we're seeing situations that need to change, we know but if we line our words up to the word of God and really believe, we know that God will come through. And what's really interesting about this whole thing is that a dear friend of mine, she lives in Scotland, and her name is Ruth Payton. And when I found out that, when we found out that I was pregnant, so back then, I don't know, about six weeks, I think, at the time, um, I, I remember we were in a meeting through the week, like a, like a House group meeting, and I went up to her and said, I haven't told anybody else, but so I let you know that I'm expecting. Jane, she said, that's really funny. She said, because I had a dream last night that you were pregnant and that you had your baby naturally, which was like, <clears throat> that was like a real absolutely from God. But what she didn't tell me, now she told this to my parents, what she didn't tell me was that she saw that it was a little boy. She saw this little boy was born on the operating table. And she, she never told us that. And I'm glad she never did. I'm glad that we had to go through this journey and stand for ourselves. But when she heard our testimony, it was like, wow, God had revealed it to her, that, you know, exactly what it was. But that, that spoke to us that, you know, how faithful God is. And then we have the a trip to America. Now this again, it's very simple, but it was real to me. I had massive fears, to be honest, in flying. Real, real fear in flying. And um, and obviously I wanted to go to my parents in America. I wanted to take, at that time it was four of our children, um, to America. And um, the air flight, uh, there was an air flight a week before. We went to fly out um, that had crashed. So that enough to build your fear. <laughs> Not build your faith, it builds your fear. But it was at that point that because we had lived in putting God's word in our hearts, that instantly God's word came up and it was like 10,000 in the south and 10,000 in the right hand. But you see, I still
still had to get onto that aeroplane. I, I couldn't just, oh, I'm going to be okay. I still had to step out <laughs> and get onto that aeroplane. And I remember literally sitting in that plane. I don't think I talked to my kids at all. <laughs> and I just remember sitting back, closing my eyes, God, you're with me. God, you're with me. All the way. And as I say all the way, until we got up. It was a takeoff. I just could not face the takeoff. Um, for me, that's just oh, horrible. <laughs> but when we were in America, we were there for, I think it was three weeks the first time, wasn't it? So with our parents for three weeks. And um, my parents took us to a friend's house, and um, he was in the. I'm not, I'm not sure what he was in. Yeah. So, for whatever reason, he decided to tell me and Jeff all about um, helicopter crashes. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm standing there thinking, I don't want to hear this. I have three aeroplane flights to fly back on, and that is not what I wanted. It's the cheapest flights we could get, and I knew I had to face three of them, and I thought, I don't want to hear this. But you know, again, I had to lay hold of God's word and say, your word is truth, and that, Father, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I remember at the end of the time when we were at the airport, I remember going into the bathroom, thinking, God, I can't do it. I physically cannot get on that plane. I was just an absolute mess, physically, with fear. And um, even though I'd done the journey there, it still was real, what I was, I was struggling with. And again, I remember, it was actually something this lady, Ruth Payton, had said. And it was part of her journey years ago. And, um, and she was saying how she, she had to ask God to tell God something, because it was something she was really frightened of. But she just talked to him and just gave it all to him. And that stuck with me. And in that bathroom, I went in and I said, God, I can do this. Because your word promises me I can do this. And you know, I got on that plane. Did I enjoy it? No, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it until I was up and I could see the clouds. And then I knew we were coming back down, and that was great. But I got through it. The fear that was bombarding me. And when fear can hit, it can have horrible results on your body. And it's, it's horrible. But you know, God got me through that, and I was able to do the journey, and as you can see, we're still here. <laughs> um, but also then I had the third one, was I had a doctor's report that you know, looked like it was gonna be, well, they had the concerns of what they saw, enough to send me to the doctors to get checked. And obviously the night before, I actually went to the doctors, who even had this tech up, um, they, I, I couldn't sleep. And, through that, I got up and I had myself a cup of tea and opened my Bible to Psalm 112. And Psalm 112 says, um, what's it saying? <laughs> my mind's gone blank, right? One minute, I've got it here. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in God. Thought nothing of it, just read the chapter, thought it was a lovely chapter, encouraging, lovely, thought nothing of it. And then, obviously the next day, I get the report. And instantly, after getting rather upset with Jeff, instantly I started to explain and being upset. Instantly, God's word came up into my heart. Thousand of I would not be afraid of evil tidings. My heart is steadfast. See, putting God's word in your heart will be the thing that keeps your life steady. 
You know, that's not to say we've got it all together because there are still things we are facing. There are still things we are absolutely believing God for. And it's a journey. No matter where you get to in life, you can, you can do this amazing thing and see God come through in amazing ways. But the next week, you've got something else to believe God for. It's a never-ending journey. And that's why it's a never-ending journey of putting the Word of God in your heart, ready for any moment of your life where you need his help. Whether that's good or bad, he will always come through for you. And obviously, I went to the doctors, believing God, speaking out that I will not be afraid. I went to the hospital, they checked everything out. I was good. I was fine. Now, that's not to say there wasn't anything wrong, because there could have been something wrong. God put it right. Or there was nothing wrong, and God did not interfere. I don't know which way that was. All I know is that one day I will find that out. But what I do know is he kept my heart at rest, and he either kept my heart at rest just so I didn't fear because there was nothing wrong, or he kept my heart at rest because he was going to heal me, which he did. God is faithful. Every area of your life, when you put your trust in him, he will come through for you. You know, all three, all three situations, it was the word of God, his word, this life-giving word that was our foundation, it was our strength, and it was our focus. It was our speech, and it was our answer. His word, and his word alone, was the answer to everything we had. You know, and I love this scripture. There's, a, there's one in Psalm 125, verse, I think it's verse 1. It says, those who put their trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. Never. And you know, when I very first read that, it's, it was like God just dropped it right deep inside my spirit. They that put their trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. And actually, that was a scripture I read, I don't know, maybe two, three years ago. This wasn't something back then but you put your trust in God and you lean heavily on him he will not let you be put to shame never never why would he do that I mean why would he why would he happily let you be put to shame because actually that gives him a bad name God doesn't do that and we stand on his word and we believe him he will always come through for us for us the key is we've got to find his word. We've got to put it inside our hearts. We've got to live by it. You know, we, we, I wish we had that song. We, we had a song this morning. We were just listening to while we were at breakfast. But the song was absolutely beautiful. It says, and the words, two lines were, the voice of truth is calling out to me. The voice of truth tells a different story. You know, I, I, I've had different stories, different, sorry, different things said over my life. I've had errors of my life that I've had to overcome. Fear, actually, is one of them. Fear of flying and, and you know, and, and insecurity as, as a child. I had to overcome that. But God's word is the thing that has been my solid foundation through my life. And you know what? The voice of truth tells a different story. You know, this world may tell you you're this. This world may try and pressurize you that you're this way or that way or that's what life is going to be for you. God's word will tell a different story. But the voice of truth is calling out to you first. So you've got to put this truth, truth of the word of God, in your heart. Let it be your life. Let it be the thing that you turn to and think, this is my solid foundation. And 
to a message or you heard something or you read something when you got saved you heard with the hearing you heard what was being said and then you responded to that and acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior you respond or act on the word for healing you'll get healed if you act on the word for prosperity you'll, you'll be prospered and God will, will prosper your life if you act on the word concerning baptism of the Holy Spirit you know he says if you ask you use your words if you have faith you will receive it's, it's, it's in every area of our Christian walk. It's, it's what's here, it's what's here, and it's what's in your journey. I'm going to finish with this last thought. In Luke 5, verse 4, this is talking about the moment when Jesus said to Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep. I want you to put down the nets. He says this in Luke 5, 4. He says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Remember, this is Jesus the preacher talking to Peter the fisherman. You know, Jesus was the preacher man, Peter was the fisherman. Um, but do you know what? Jesus still had authority over what was going to take place. Luke 5, verse 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. In other words, we've been fishing. The nets are all still wet. We, we need, may need to repair them. We're not, I don't really want to do this, Jesus. You, know, you, you don't know what you're talking about. We catch fish at night. We listen to you preach by day. You know, he, didn't want to, he didn't want to go back out there. And very often our excuses or our arguments or reasonings or debates of what God's word says, we can talk ourselves out of the miracle. Because Peter was talking himself out of the miracle here. He was saying, I don't really want to do this, Lord. I don't really want to put the nets out. I don't really want to do what you're telling me to do. In Luke 5, verse 5, the last part of the verse, it says, Nevertheless, at your word, we'll let down a net. So even in this moment, he's, he's showing a half-hearted attitude. Jesus said, Peter, go out into the deep and let down your nets. Lots of them, plural, several nets. Peter says, no, I'm tired or no, I'm tired and worn out. Do you know what? At your word, I will let down a net singular. So is he, he's acting in semi-obedience, but he's not. He's half-hearted, isn't he? He's, he's, look, if you say so, we'll do one. I'm not going to do lots, so this is going to be hard work. I'm tired, I'm fed up, actually. I've got nothing all night. But I'll let down the net. See, half-heartedness causes us often to see half of what God wanted to do. But in his grace, he shows his abundance to our life still. So out they go. Peter lets down the net. 
thinking all the time, why should I do this? What is this all about? We never catch fish during the day. But by God's grace, he still responded to the word. Nevertheless, at your word we'll do it. He still acted in faith to go and do it. And at that moment, out there in the deep, in the daytime, with a net, they catch such a haul of fish that their boat is beginning to sink. Do you know what? There are things in your life that by the grace of God we've obtained. When we perhaps should have been more obedient, we should have done more, we should have uh, allowed God to do more. But do you know what? In his grace, he still blesses us. Because he loves you so much. Phil, he loves you so much. Abundant grace is poured out into your life. Carl, abundant grace poured into your life over and over. Not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. Peter could have frustrated, you know, Jesus could have been, could have turned around and said, Peter, I'm going to teach you a lesson here. If you'd done as I'd say, you would have had double the amount. If you'd put down the nets, they all would have been filled. And he would have learned, he would have learned a lesson that day. He let down a net and he caught such an abundance of fish. He had to call to his mates, hey, come on out. We have got so many fish, come and help us. By God's grace, we live, we move. And we have our being. Even in our disobedience or lack of obedience at times. His grace is more than enough. But the best thing is, let's be obedient to the word. When we hear that small quiet voice, when Peter heard, when Peter heard, or when Peter said, soon I say, when Peter said, at your word, we will let down the net. He didn't just hear the voice of Jesus as a written passage. He heard an audible voice. And that's the difference in Scripture. There's two words that describe Scripture. This is logos. When you read it, it is logos. It is the written word. But what Peter heard was the audible voice of God. Go out into the deep and put down your nets. When the word of God comes off of a page and becomes alive to you, it becomes a rhema. It becomes a living word. And you can know that the living word of God will do exactly what he has promised it will do in your life. The written word will do exactly the same. But it needs to become a living word. You can read it and say, wow, that's an incredible scripture. But it's not become a living word to you. It's still just a written word. You admire it. You think it's fantastic. You think it's wonderful. But it's not come alive on the inside. The Spirit of God not, hasn't, hasn't ignited it like a revelation to you. You still think that's a word for somebody else. Or that, that would be amazing if that came to, came to pass for me. But when it becomes a living word, a rhema, and you allow the Spirit of God to rest upon that word, and it becomes alive to you, he will say to you while you're walking down the middle of High Street, don't lay hands on that sick person. And all of a sudden, you've, you've read that morning, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That is a living word. 
you will then see a sick person walking down the road. You, you will be so hungry because God, you'll be, you'll be looking for sick people. Why? Because it's become a living word to you. You, you will look for people to give to because the living word has become a rhema to you. Give and it shall come back to you. Press down, shaking together, whatever. You will look for opportunities to give. Why? Because it's become a living word. So when you read the word as the Logos, allow it to fill your heart. I, like I said right at the beginning when I, got, when I first got saved, and when I started to read God's Word, it was a book. And I started to read the book. I wasn't good at reading. I hadn't got the ability to read it properly. I skipped so much of the words because I didn't understand what they were or even how to pronounce them. But I put the Word of God in my heart like the Logos. But as I put it in my heart as the Logos, God's Spirit was working on the inside of me, bringing spiritual revelation. It needs to become the living word. And when it's the living word, no giant will stand. No mountain will stand in your way. You will look at the mountain and say, in the name of Jesus, you be moved from here to there. And it will, it will move from amongst you. When sickness and disease come against you in your physical body, you will say that it has no right it is an alien. It is wrong. It is an intruder in my body. It will not stay. And you take authority. You know, in, in Jerry's situation with your son, Jerry, we've been praying and believing for your son for several months now and encouraging you in your journeys. Who would have thought that at that moment he was going to walk in a week later? Who would think by next week he's going to be... But do you know what God knew for Jerry? He knew your journey, he knew our journey and encouraging and standing and believing. He knows the journey. We see through through a glass dimly. We see with blinkers on. We just see the here and now moment. He sees the big picture. Let's trust him with the big picture. Even though sometimes we just see through through blinkered eyes. Let's trust him with the journey. Jane, you can say one last thing and we finish. I'll, I'll talk to that.
Because, Father, we know how to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I thank you, Lord, that there are so many testimonies in this room today. Lord, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, by the grace of God and the journey of faith in our life. Father, I declare over each one, that the word of the living God, your word, Father, will be the, 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 the manner in which we live. It will be the word of God that comes up in our heart. It will be the word of God that changes and transforms our life and our journey. Father, give us a fresh love for your word. I ask in Jesus' name. 